0: Welcome to Creators with Influence, a podcast by the American Influencer Council on the intersection between the creator economy and digital culture.
1: My name is Keisha Hudgens. I also just go by Kay Hudgens. I am the founder and host of Just K Media. I'm also a digital content curator and I'm going to be your moderator for tonight. Um, I'm so excited to, to partner with American Influencer Council and Clear for Creators to host these beautiful panel, um, these beautiful panelists who are going to um, be discussing some serious matters with you guys, but also giving some perspective. So we're really excited. Um, I'm pleased to have gathered with these panel of key opinion leaders to uh, discuss creative rates and further a transparency dialogue.
0: Hi everyone. My name is Kristen Nina de Guzman and really excited to be here. I see so many amazing creators that I have gotten a chance to work with over the last couple of years. For anyone who I haven't met, um, I've been working with content creators since 2015, been working at like Instagram, Pinterest, and most recently TikTok, and have just done a lot in terms of relationship management and helping creators um, negotiate their own worth and negotiate brand deals. And over especially the last two years, my time at TikTok, with the boom of you know, content creation becoming more accessible, I started to see the rates that creators were being offered and also accepting kind of just, they were so sporadic across the board. You would have one creator getting $1,000 and one getting $30,000. So I'm, I'm passionate about this topic. and everything that the american influencer council stands for because this is a a really important topic and the more transparent we can be i think the better uh, the industry will will become and right now it's a little bit like the wild wild west i would compare it to (laughs) Mm -hmm. not a lot of uh centralized information and so as a result you have a lot of people not really understanding what's possible or they're not able to become full-time content creators So that's a lot of my mission behind my company and excited to be here. I'll pass it along.
2: Thank you. Awesome, hi everyone, my name is Emily Campbell. I am the CEO and founder of influencer marketing agency CFG. Um, Very similarly, I started my career on the agency side, start working with creators um, and I always tell people i never planned to work with influencers i wanted to make tv ads Um, (laughs) but i worked on a digital team for a global pr firm and kind of was right place right time also youngest person on the team Um, and they were like what are influencers we should work with them blah 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 and thus my love for influencers were born so um, my perspective is from the CPG package goods side, and I managed a lot of the beginning campaigns for Fortune 500 brands, and saw the wild, wild west in my inbox firsthand. And what I also realized was that the trans- the pay parity was much larger for people who looked like me and influencers of color. And so, after about five years on the agency side. I decided to quit my job and start an influencer marketing agency focused on underrepresented talent and diverse talent and kind of, again, bridging that gap and making sure that they feel like they can build the career of their dreams and have a really strong team supporting them. So super excited to talk to you guys today. Um, So yeah, nice meeting you all.
3: Hi everyone, my name is Tejas Hulur. I'm a full-time content creator, primarily doing short-form content at the moment, slowly expanding uh, across platforms like YouTube and LinkedIn. I make content um, for the creator economy. Um, I would say like my two audience groups are early entrepreneurs looking to scale, and then early people in their 20s like, looking for direction, because I'm not an early 20-year-old looking for direction. <laughs> Um, uh, that's kind of what I do online and on the side, I, uh, I would like to say I'm an early business person. My roommate Dylan and I, we, um, are starting an ice cream brand here in New York City. Wow. We just raised, um, $1.5 million for that, which is really fun that moved me to the city and yeah, excited to talk about creators. I was, I started in the pandemic, August, 2020 and my life has changed in the last year. So excited to reveal all the secrets. So.
1: Wow. You, Let's get this creators with influence uh, conversation underway. Um, we will have time afterwards for Q and A, Q&A, so just stay tuned, and you guys will be able to ask questions afterwards. But um, so, my first question is for you, Tages. You know, um, per in, Insider Intelligence, um, spending on influencer marketing in the U. S. is expected to reach five billion next year. The creator economy is booming for some. Um, it seems like every week we hear about new creator monetization. Um, for tools, free gifts, and funds, how do you determine what's worth testing or investing your time in?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, I I recently just broke down my quarter one earnings as a creator, right, primarily on short form. And um, with TikTok and Instagram, right, where I usually post, uh, that accounted for 1.6% of my total revenue, right? The other revenue included a lot of brand deals. I also do some educational courses on things like Nas Academy. Right, I produce for other accounts, and whatnot. So I have tried to diversify as much as I can. Very opportunistic at the moment. Um, when I think of like all the new tools that are coming about, right, all these new funds and things, my rule of thumb goes like this, right? I, I want to be a long-term creator. I want to be a creator in the next five, ten years. And I know there's people who are creators right now that are like, I want to get the buck right now. Um, but when I look at it, I go, I want to minimize my time rented out to other brands and maximize the time um, to build Tejas Hulor, like my brand, my equity. And so I, um, I I created a number in my head, which is $60,000. I say, that's what I can live off of in the city and everything else, every dollar that I make past that is invested in some way. Unfortunately, what? some in the crypto world right now, <laughs> other things and other creators, right? and. Um, yeah, and again, I, I also like to um, meet a lot of other investors and I see um, you know, other creators building cool things and I like to get involved as much as I can. So when it comes to all of these new features, um, I, I don't concentrate too heavy on it, right? It's like, you know, I, I know Instagram has these reels bonuses, right? And it's like every once in a while, it's like, oh cool, I got $500 in my bank account because of Instagram, like thanks. But it's like, I have that 60,000 number, 5K a month, it's like that's what I know I'm gonna live off of. Everything else is like invested because I want to be a creator ten years from now.
1: Wow, I love how he just so casually said, uh, "Oh, five hundred dollars, yeah." <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I I'm mean, very
3: blessed. Very, yes. very blessed. For it, we
1: love say. that. We love that you tap into all markets. We love that. Yeah. Um, and that's a perfect segue um, into our next question. You've known you're known for showcasing the behind the scenes of being a content curator and also hacking trends or yourself into influencer marketing events, yeah. what is the next monetizable
3: trend? You know, I think one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten from one of my mentors is, content creation is not a career. It can be a career. And what I mean by that is, um, I'm, I'm seeing a trend where all these, cre- these new creators are looking at more traditional business models to really monetize. So for example, my friend Dylan, um, if any of you are on TikTok, you may recognize him. He, um, he worked at Coldstone for the last 10 years of his life. And um, he garnered a following of 11 million followers um, because of it. And um, we met up and he was like, hey Tejas, like, I, I want to open my own shop. You know, I, I feel like I understand how to do that. And uh, my audience, very fortunate, is a bunch of investors as well, right? That's like early entrepreneurs, investors, people interested in the space. So I knew the perfect guy to connect him with and come to this business, right? We're looking at, you know, Emma Chamberlain has a, a great business, like Chamberlain Coffee. Right? I mean, Mr. Beast with the Mr. Beast burger and, um, you know, feastables, these are all food and beverage, but there's so many different businesses, very traditional entrepreneurial businesses. I think that's where this creator economy is going. I think um, at the end of the day, it's like the content that I put out, you know, um, God forbid it's unfortunate, but like what if TikTok shuts down tomorrow? What if YouTube shuts down tomorrow, right? That's, a, is that, that's the end of me right now, right? So it's like, how can I build more traditional business models? I think that at the end of the day is the next, like, monetization. Mo- you know the word, the hack for making money for creators. So, yeah. Do you get
1: what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm <laughs> um, so, Annalise, in 2001, you were recognized by uh, Business Insider as one of the top talent managers for micro influencers and emerging, emerging creators. Um, right. Can we get a round of applause for that, please? Right. Right. You. Please share how you educate your clients on the value of value of custom content when negotiating brand clients?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question and super relevant. Um, I I always jump to my experience because like I sat on the brand side. Right. And so I always tell my creators that at the end of the day, there's going to be some conversation when, you know, this campaign wraps about the value that you provided. And so the better you can understand and articulate that value, the more informed you'll be and the better, like more negotiating power you'll have. So I always tell them like one, lean into especially for me because we work with diverse creators who have really unique stories like really strong equity with the audiences that they've built i'm like don't be afraid to lean into what works for you like right now i'm talking to a blow dryer brand about how my black client is not going to straighten her hair every like two weeks for this campaign because it's the summer time and for us that's not how that works right um so it's about telling them to like lean into what you know works because At the end of the day if you know your audience best and a brand is pushing you in a direction that like doesn't really make sense doesn't really align like you need to articulate that so that they can know like and trust you and say oh yeah she is going to make the best recommendation so that we can both be successful because it's a partnership at the end of the day and i think what is going to come from the creator economy is that there will be more of that sharing of ideas versus like here's a brief read the script do exactly what we say because it's just it's it's not transparent, it's not authentic, and people can see right through it. So I, I spend a lot of time educating my clients on like how to articulate your value, how to know, like just stand your ground on what will work for your audience so that you can drive results and be successful in the long term.
1: I agree. And I also think that sometimes people forget that the influencer industry is still relatively new. And so there's going to be a lot of trial and error. and it's, it's great to have someone like you on someone's team to educate them and continue to um, create a level of confidence in them so that when they do sit in these spaces, they know what to ask for. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Kristen, so you went from making 150 k at TikTok to launching a Glassdoor Life app called Clear for Creators. Tell us about your transition from high-profile corporate roles as you were also at Instagram and Pinterest. Okay, girl. to being at a start the being at a startup founder um what is one piece of advice or feedback you received that altered the way you thought about your value
0: so to the for the first point i would say what was crazy to me was like i was working with all these phenomenal creators on a daily basis a lot of them are in this room um who were so like skilled and talented beyond just making brand brand deals, right? <laughs> and what I started to notice working at TikTok was like there was a really interesting shift in the requests that were coming in. They went from like oh, we want creators for brand deals to we want a, a host for an upcoming event. We want a comedian or we want a, a, a voiceover actor to do guided meditation for Headspace. And I was like wow, this is really interesting because there's not really a, a tool out there to help creators. And I felt like like you said, in so many different ways, this industry feels like it's been around for a while, but there's not really a lot of a lot of people who know and care about creators going out there and creating businesses to really help empower them. And as as Tay just said, you know, as he's thinking about his brand, he wants to build his own personal brand. And I think there's so much value in that. So I was like This felt like an opportunity for me to take a leap. Um, And thankfully, because I get brand deals, I was able to make the transition to becoming a founder (laughs) because I'm a a part-time content creator well now almost full-time content creator. Um, So I would say that's one piece of it. And then the second part of your question, I think was in terms of-
1: Feedback, you received that altered the way way you, you thought about your value.
0: Yeah, so I think one one awesome creator that's in this room is um, Giselle that I see. Um, and what is really interesting about Giselle is like at TikTok, you'd assume we only work with like really, really like, you know, creators with five, 10 million followers. But that's really not the case. And I think one of the things that I learned early on is it's how about how you market yourself in your own personal brand. And Giselle was one that I worked with that did a really good job of that. And she like would reach out and say, hey, i host workshops like if tiktok ever needs a host i'm here and then we ended up working with her for like multiple workshops and so i think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i think it, it's so much it's so far beyond follower count and you know it's how you as a creator market yourself market your personal brand you can be doing like six-figure deals just because of who you are and what you represent and maybe advocacy work that you're doing so it's not all about the follower count which i think is is a, a good thing to remember
1: i agree and i think that i mean to your point like what Annalise said it's if you know your value, like based off of like what you bring to the table as an influencer, as a creator, um, even me as a host, right? Like when you know what your niche is, what your thing is, like you can sell that and and people will buy it. Um, We were talking to someone earlier in the audience about like just micro influencers matter too. So those huge numbers really don't, they don't matter anymore actually, even for publications, (laughs) just so you guys know. So, um, you know, I think that was important. Um, So in December, the public relations firm, MS, LUS, in partnership with the Influencer League, uh, released a report titled Time to Face the Influencer Pay Gap. The research tapped um, into more than 400 U.S.-based influencers. In a survey, nearly half of Black influencers said that their race contributes to brand offers that are below market value. So Annalise, as someone who sees firsthand the pay equality um, challenges in our trade, Why do you think it's essential to have these conversations about rates, conversation with our peers and colleagues, and what are the benefits?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great question. I mean, I think we're the product of that right now. Like this conversation that we're having, someone may sit next to someone and say, I'm doing this type of work with this brand and this is what I'm seeing. Like, what are you seeing, right? And that thoughtful exchange, as small as it may seem, can open up the door for people and like, I remember when I was first starting managing clients and, you know, like I said, we work with diverse creators, like they would talk about what they were earning. And I would be like, there are creators who do not look like you, who have been over prioritized in this industry that are running laps around us revenue wise. And it was really like such a I see it in my inbox every single day. So the fact that now we're having these conversations and there are like formal studies that show like there is a pay gap and it's rooted in what I would consider American history but um there there is something that needs to be kind of more uniform so that we can all come to the table and say like no this is the standard so that people won't feel like oh I'm being valued less than because of the way that I look or because of the audience that I communicate with um so I think it's really important to discuss those things and be informed and I think it's one thing to have like general conversations but the more specific that you can get the better informed you'll be as you're talking to your peers of different races genders all of these things um because it'll just bring your ability to speak to what's going on in the industry um much higher and and it pays off so i think it's really important that we're having these conversations um so yeah
1: i think some people look at it as a negative thing but i don't think it is at all i think the exposure um and to and you you mentioned I mean, you're mean you the mr behind the scenes guy right like you're the guy kind of and to some extent we. i, I told you like i looked at one of your rules and i was like oh he's exposing a lot but mm-hmm. you're doing it in a way where i don't feel like you're being messy or anything like that you're really just trying to help and teach others and i feel like that's a big component of becoming an influencer when i first moved to new york i, I didn't have that <laughs> i was like dming people sliding to dms like hey uh how do you do this or what did you charge and you know and these things matter. These conversations matter. Being transparent, being authentic, having people that you can trust in these spaces really do matter. So um, I really
0: appreciate what you just said.
2: Yeah. One thing I also say, like I think um, to Tasha's point, like I think when you think about traditional careers, right? Like if you sat next to your peer and they were like, "I make hundred k," and you were like, "I make fifty k," you'd be like, "What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. Right? You clearly know that there's huge discrepancy. So why don't creators deserve the same type of equity and equality in those spaces. So I think like the traditional business model mindset is what needs to be applied to the creator industry so that we can say, oh yeah, this should be fair and equitable for everyone, no matter what they look like, um, so that we can address these pay parity issues.
0: I
1: agree. Oh, great answer. Thank you. Um, so the popularity of nano and micro influencers have skyrocketed. Um, hype auditor data re- revealed that 70.7 uh, percent of influencers with a thousand to ten thousand followers charge up to a hundred dollars per instagram post while 76.9 percent of influencers with more than one million followers demand a thousand or more Kristen, do you believe boosting paid transparency can safeguard the creators from not getting exploited for their time and material of their work
0: Yes. Um, So this is a big motivation why I launched Clara for Creators, which I describe as like a Glassdoor-like app for content creators, because, you know, as she just mentioned, there there's really there was no baseline. So I and I myself experienced this as a as a content creator. And I thought, well, I've been on the other side on the brand side. So I had Barnes and Noble reach out to me, for example, and ask me my rate for a couple TikToks. I responded with what I thought was fair market rate and they basically were like, oh no, that's way too much and we don't wanna counter because it, it would be insulting. And I thought if I'm having, if I'm experiencing this and I see like, you know, hundreds of brand deals, I can't imagine someone who is new to the industry, blew up overnight and is having, you know, huge brands reach out to them. How can you gauge what's fair if you have no like, you know, understanding of what other people are, are getting? And it's crazy how this exists in the corporate world, but it doesn't exist for creators. And it's actually something that's, I think, even needed more because we get probably a couple brand deals a week. And so we need that information, I think, more more than anyone. So I was like, okay, if I can at least create some sort of centralized hub of information, then my hope is that you know the next time Spotify or a really cool brand reaches out, uh, creators can ha- take basically access the information and come back to the brand with a with a more knowledgeable rate, right? So maybe they were gonna say a thousand, but maybe they see that another creator just got 5,000. And so that will help them get more money. And in the same way, um, just having that access to information, the same way, you know, like people in the corporate world can go into salary negotiations at more educated and not ask for a crazy number, that's also needed on the creator side. So. Um, that was really the mission behind my company, and it's been what I've been trying to do for the last couple of months.
1: And you guys make sure you check out. We can talk to her afterwards even, you know, to tap more into what she has going on and to offer. Um, so this question is actually for each panelist. And I guess, can we, we can start with Tejas, just, sure. just because he hasn't gone well. <laughs> uh, so each social platform has its unique way for creators to generate income. Uh, which platform do you feel is the most lucrative and your favorite to use?
0: Ooh, okay,
3: um, I'll kind of separate it. I think if you want to make the biggest buck in the short term, right, let's just say zero to two years, I think you go TikTok, right? I think that's where most of the attention is. Um, if you want to make the most money for being a creator um, for 10 years, I think it's like YouTube 100%. Um, and I, the, the reason is because I think um, a conversation that's not really being had right now is the quality of a view, right, and um, the reason well, when an algor- I think there's there's two different types of content being fed to most users right now. It's one where an algorithm chooses the content for you, a for you page, an Instagram Reels page, and um, content that you as the user choose. And inherently, because you're choosing the content, right? Um, you that's just so much higher of a quality of a view, and um, just having even even like long form videos, I think is better for revenue wise, and also you just have a deeper connection with the community, and that's that's why you see these. Um, these creators on YouTube who've been there for five, ten years. But if I were to start over, and I'm just trying to make the most money (laughs) in two years. So TikTok it is.
2: Okay, TikTok. I actually have a very similar answer. I feel the same way. I think YouTube is like I don't turn on Netflix when I get in my bed anymore. Mm. I put YouTube on and I like, I watched a video yesterday about New York City's rats problem on Cheddar (laughs) and it was like so engaging to me. And (laughs) and, like if I'm Cheddar and I'm thinking about it from a publishing perspective, I'm doing really well. Like YouTube is now aligned in my P and L because I'm creating content that people find valuable. And before that wasn't the traditional publishing model. Right? So I think like for creators, youtube and that long form connection and the ability to just create things that you know people want to find or that people might discover and be really interested in i think is important and again you build, build that deeper connection versus like i love tiktok but i don't remember things that i see on tiktok like i mm-hmm. it takes it unless it's someone i really love and follow like by the end of the night i'm like oh i forgot about that or maybe the song yeah. is stuck in my head but definitely not the creator totally. right whereas youtube like i can tell you the what's in my history from like the past 10 videos that I've watched because I thought it was really engaging and chose it. So I think long term, there's also a revenue sharing perspective that Mm -hmm. is a lot more intuitive on YouTube that I think other creators, like other platforms are now trying to figure out how they got that revenue sharing model so right. Um, So I think they have a lot of skin in the game. And I think if you're a creator, like don't be so um, keen to skip on YouTube.
0: Agreed. (laughs) Um, Okay, I think I'm biased because I came from TikTok, but I do feel like, you know, the discoverability of TikTok is really unmatched compared to other platforms. I think YouTube and Instagram are now investing a lot in building out creator teams and, you know, YouTube Shorts, I think, is helping creators be discovered. But I, I've just seen so many overnight success stories with TikTok of people growing during the pandemic, you know, getting a million in funding for their own ice cream <laughs> shop. Like th- that really is, is just crazy to me, is, is yeah. live, lives being transformed by TikTok. And I think with YouTube, when I think of YouTubers, I'm thinking of the Mr. Beast and the, pe- mm-hmm. the people that have been on YouTube for years. And I yeah. think it's like kind of harder to break into that. But for people who are, you know, wanting to start out and wanting to build a brand for themselves, I feel like TikTok's a, a great opportunity to really invest into and I think it can kind of be off with more quickly than the others.
1: Yeah. But can I challenge no like I guess there's a point of view thing here, but if I guess uh, because I'm thinking about everything you both just said. I mean, you all said about YouTube versus, like, TikTok. That's what it essentially came down to. Yeah. Uh, no one mentioned Instagram, by the way. <laughs> for, for I could um, add one more
3: platform. Yeah? I, I could add one more platform. Well, go ahead.
1: Educate yeah. us a little bit more. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: Um, I did not realize how lucrative Snapchat is. If, like, a oh, creator mm. is fortunate enough yes. to have a Snapchat show, it's... Disgusting yeah. amount of money. Sorry,
1: but, I actually am on a show on Snapchat. Oh uh, so man, there goes we know that. who's baked yeah. over there. So. <laughs> so but um, no, I guess I wanted to say to, to your point, you you mentioned about I guess there are more. I, I remember back in the day, Justin Bieber was discovered from YouTube. Yeah. Um, this, I think Soldier Boy was also discovered from like YouTube. So I guess yeah, back in the day it was probably one to like the ten that you discover daily here. I mean on on TikTok, but. Do we, is that a good or a bad thing? Because I feel like I preferred when it was just like a real talent that stood out, and it was like one of the maybe many. Whereas like now, everyone's a star. Everyone, it's a very every industry is kind of oversaturated at to that point, and maybe that's some of the reason why it's harder too for people to um, know their value. I I feel like because there's a, there's this lack of authenticity. I think that comes from wanting to become a star. Versus mm-hmm. just loving what you do and playing a guitar and having people see it. And be I mean, like, oh, my gosh, like Chloe and Haley Bailey, um, those two discovered by Beyonce. Look at we know them, though. Right. Like how you said, we know them. We still know Justin Bieber. We still know. I don't know half the people I see on TikTok. So I always wonder, like, what's the longevity with that as well? I mean, I know that's, you know, do can anyone speak on that?
2: Yeah, I'll jump in here. But I think. That's the distinction between someone that is just blowing up on a platform versus someone who's actually trying to build a brand mm-hmm. right and i think the creators that can evolve because i think if you think of the social media landscape each platform serves a different purpose and really smart creators who have good teams behind them will understand okay here's the approach on this platform this is the goal here here's the approach on this platform this is the goal here so i think you need to think of it more of like as an entire ecosystem and understand what platform serves the best purpose for what and what kind of goals you're trying to reach? Because you, there are so many creators I could list on TikTok right now who if they didn't jump on Instagram, if they didn't jump on YouTube, if they didn't build a blog, they wouldn't be as successful, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the idea of like vacuuming yourself onto one platform isn't the best and long-term approach. Like I think there, to your point, like there's so much discoverability On TikTok, But if I blow up tomorrow and I get a million followers and do nothing with it, then I just got a million followers and did nothing with it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think you do have to kind of think about how the platforms play into each other and what brand you're trying to build and what equity you're trying to build, because each platform does something different. And if you can leverage them right, then I think you've hit the jackpot pretty much. Uh, thank you. I appreciate
1: that. That was a great perspective. <laughs> um, so according to Big Com- Commerce, uh social proof is a demonstration that other people have chosen or partaken in a per- product or service, such as reviews, testimonies, or social shares, thereby encouraging others to do so. Tagger offers a real-time social proof solution that claims to boost conversation rates by 12%. Tejas, uh, what is social proof in your world, and how are creators making money from it?
3: Yeah, I think this is another conversation that uh, not many creators really talk about, um, but I think it's been crucial to the success that I've, uh, I have today. Um, the, the way I define social proof, and this isn't the most wholesome conversation, right, it's a very you know, surface level, but it's basically the, the connections that I have, you know, boost my first impression to so many people. And so I always talk about this on Instagram, I think the most valuable thing on Instagram is like, for example, if um, one of you are like, oh, who's this Tejas guy that's talking up here, right? The first thing you're probably looking me up on is Instagram, right? And then um, automatically to see what, how much social proof I have is to see which one of your followers are following me, right? Like right under or right above that follow button is like, oh, this person's also followed by XYZ people. Right, and um, so when I look at the brand that I'm building, right, which is to educate other creators, one of my main goals is to go to as many of these events as possible and to build as much social proof as possible. And so um, I've found myself in events where people come talk to me because they're like, oh, I see that this person, this person, and this person follow you. Like, who are you? And I like, oh, okay, uh, thanks. But, um, and I've I've noticed, right, one of the the follow-ups, like how are creators making money from this? I've gotten, you know, so many, like, not so many brand deals, but I've gotten brand deal opportunities because of you know who I've been connected to, and I think it's a very underrated model to be like, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't know I if you don't know who I am, you're gonna automatically put me in these in a bubble of creators based off of who I'm followed by or who's following me. So um, I think social proof is a really really interesting concept, and uh, again, it's, it's it's a very transparent, it's very transactional. Right, to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to these events and trying to get as many people to follow me on Instagram. But, um, you know, I, I don't make it, it feel like that. Um, but, yeah, it's I think it's where it's connections. It's networking at the end of the day.
1: So I think, yeah, to even add on to what you were saying, I, I think, at the end, I mean, we all learned that. If, I mean, not say if you didn't go to college, but if you went to college, if you live in New York City, you know how important networking is. So as mm-hmm. this, it's the same, you know, you um, know, it's the same yeah. kind of concept. Like, I know for me, every job I've ever gotten is because of someone I knew. Yeah. It never. I've truly never been because of my resume. It was always like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And my final question is for both Kristen and Annalise. In April, Linktree released its most extensive creator report to date. The report revealed that there are over two hundred million creators, but only twelve percent of full time creators make over fifty thousand a year. How can we encourage financial well being for creator middle class and access to financial education?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's one understanding the business of a creator economy. I think one of the things, like I've had so many people reach out to me and they're blowing up or they're growing or blah blah blah, and they're like, I don't even have an LLC, and I'm like, oh, that's like baseline, like mm-hmm. you should incorporate your company and set it up properly so that you're not being like raped over the coals and taxes and you can expense. Like I have creators, I'm like, if you bought a full Gucci outfit for a shoot for a brand, that is expensable. <laughs> like, um, so I think there are components of that that I think are like, just baseline people should understand like the principles of the business. Because I think at the end of the day, as a creator, especially once you're getting past a certain revenue amount, like you you are a small business. That's literally exactly what you are. You're probably more profitable than the average small business out there, right? So you should treat yourself as that. But I think that that's one thing. But I think the other thing is understanding the space that you play in, because at the end of the day, like, like there are, you can create a transactional brand deal, right, and you can get paid for that. And so you need to understand at the end of the day, like. What, what value did I actually just provide? And then there are things that I think are more intangible. There are things like if I'm Abercrombie who's had a really rough go and now is rebounding and i'm like oh i really need to boost awareness i need people to think that we're a cool trendy brand and i want to work with influencers to do that like there's a part of that value that you can't put a number on because if i change your perception about a brand right like that's harder to say like oh yeah that was worth a dollar like that's intangible in some ways and not really super measurable so i think it's understanding like the content that you're creating and the partnerships you're getting into, like what bucket do they sit in? Are you providing some, are you just providing real a story or whatever? It's something that is a bit more transactional or are you providing way more value for a brand and how can you start the conversation to better understand it? For people who don't have management, I always say like, especially if you're in those conversations, just ask for their budget first, like don't shoot yourself in the foot, especially if you don't have someone kind of helping you navigate those conversations. So if like I'm patterned and I'm like, hey, I want you to shoot, Four 30 second videos that we're gonna use on all of our channels, be like, hey girl, what's your budget? Because <laughs> um, nine times out of 10, that starting point might be better than what you thought of, right? So I'd say, like, there are a couple of things that you could do to help yourself, um, but I'd say doing a lot of research and asking questions when you don't know, because not everyone's gonna have a great management team behind them, but I'd say, like, asking those questions and trying to understand, like, what are your KPIs? What are you guys trying to achieve? And put yourself in a position to be like, actually, I'm really good at video views, and if your goal is video views, like I'd recommend this approach, like how does this work? Like just making it more um, of a partnership and, and kind of having the conversation that way, I think will help a ton for creators who are not breaking past that 50K mark.
0: Um, I, I, I love that answer. I would also say like being a creator sometimes feels a bit isolating because it's like you're your own small business, you're working with big brands, like, know i don't know netflix and you're kind of like oh I'm, i feel like an underdog in this situation and even when i i launched um clara i had a lot of creators be like oh i'm scared to like share anonymously what i made because in the contract like i'm not supposed to share it and it's interesting because it's like very unregulated and and brands have the upper hand and so a lot of times it's like you know whereas i'm protected uh you know at TikTok to share my salary and am pr- protected under law. Like I, I can talk about what I make, but uh, creators don't really have that same sort of, of freedom. And I think a lot needs to change in the industry. But in the meantime, the one thing that is really powerful is community and being open to having these conversations and sharing. Cause I ha- I've worked with so many creators who've just talked to someone and realized, oh my gosh, I'm being so much underpaid or th- this person you know, has maybe half the following, but they're getting way more because they've done a really good job of building their personal brand. So I think having access to that pay information is one piece that's crucial. But I think the other part is just coming together as a community to kind of re- recognize the power that you have against these these big companies that might try to scare you with their like 10 page contracts. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Um, And to add, that, to,
1: add to that, I think that to also just finding your, your community, finding your group, even if it's Not the general masses, but just finding like a few people maybe you guys can be each other's accountability partners and you know, small community within the communities. Because everyone isn't comfortable talking about these kind of things, but having those people who do trust you enough to share things with you is important. So I wouldn't just go on anyone's Instagram and slide in DM <laughs> saying, hey, y'all, like, what you making? Like, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> but I wanted to thank you guys for joining me on this stage for an in-depth conversation. Um, I would also like to recognize Soho Works, 55 Water. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> Yeah, the American Influencer Council, uh, Claire for Creators, and everyone who for for, to everyone else who joined us in person, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. I'm Kiyaja. I'm the founder and host at Just K Media, and we really appreciate having you here today. Thank you for allowing me to moderate this conversation. Um, So I'll talk to you guys. We'll talk to you guys afterwards, and thank you.
0: Creators with Influence is produced by the American Influencer Council, the sole 501c6 not-for-profit trade association in the U.S., created by and for career creators.